ESPN 94.1 at 930. The Drive. Welcome in. It is the Thursday, August 2nd edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. We're winding down the week, but we've got plenty to get into. Soccer is starting up soon for the Thundering Herd, both on the men's and women's side. Today, we're going to talk to Kevin Long, head coach of the Marshall women's soccer team, get an update on his squad as they are getting ready for upcoming action. Also, a little bit later on the program, I'm going to hear from Jared Smalley from NBC4 in Columbus. Jared, of course, a good friend of the program, a, um, a guy who's on the ground floor to speak. He's right there in, um, in ground zero, really, what's happening with Urban Myers, Ohio State. Uh, we'll let Jared get into more of that because this is still a developing story. But the short of it is that Urban is on paid leave as the allegations uh, – are being investigated as far as what did he know? Uh, did he really have uh, knowledge of the uh, the abuse allegations that were brought to one of his uh, assistants who is uh, no longer with the program? Jared's going to get us caught up on that. And, of course, we'll take your phone calls at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255 to be a part of today's program. Now, college football machine continues and so that means more polls are out today they mean nothing at the end of the day because everything gets superseded by the college football playoff poll once it is made public and again that thing changes on a weekly basis it's the whim of the committee so this point the preseason college football coaches poll means nothing this is not a poll that determines anything it's just the opinion of the coaches at this point this is what the coaches and I say that loosely because it's not really a coaches poll in the truest sense because there have been times where the coach is not voting and instead it's left up to maybe the guy who's the media director voting for this so here is with air quotes the coaches poll preseason that came out today. Alabama is number one in the country, followed by Clemson. Then Ohio State is third. Georgia is fourth. Oklahoma fifth. The next 10, starting at six, Washington, then Wisconsin at seven, Miami at eight, Penn State is ninth, and Auburn is 10th. And then Notre Dame is 11th, Michigan State 12th, Stanford 13th, Michigan 14th, USC is 15, TCU comes in at 16, and then Virginia Tech at 17, Mississippi State is 18, Florida State's 19th, and West Virginia is coming in at 20. That's where a lot of people have them and their polls, and that makes about the best sense right now. That number can change, though. I think West Virginia will improve as the season goes on. They can stay undefeated or at least um, put up some really impressive numbers and some big wins. Then you've got Texas at 21, Boise State comes in at 22, UCF at 23, LSU is 24th, and then Oklahoma State comes in at 25. Now, there are some teams that got some consideration, a lot of teams, maybe nowhere near the top 25. 
Uh, I will say this, uh, Florida Atlantic got a little consideration, but the teams that are closest to the top 25, South Carolina, Florida, Oregon, Utah, Northwestern, Texas A&M, Kansas State, those are the teams you kind of keep an eye out for the most. It's good, though, people are giving Florida Atlantic a little credit and giving them a nod here or there. That'll help if they can do what a lot of people are hoping they can do in Conference USA. And I'm speaking, of course, to, of course, the FAU fans. Maybe the league office. I don't know. You'd like to have a team make a run. And Florida Atlantic, a lot of people think, can do it again, or at least win the East Division and win the Conference USA overall championship. Marshall fans have something to say about that, and we'll see that game later on. But it's good that at least somebody from Conference USA is getting a little consideration. But again, this means nothing. It means absolutely nothing other than there's an opinion. Here's an opinion poll. It has no merit, no anything, no influence whatsoever because the committee will come in and they'll rank the teams as they see them, and that's going to be the poll that takes over. Now, until that time comes, the AP poll is going to be the de facto poll. It's just the, the better poll. AP poll is better. And it's been the gold standard for as long as I can remember. Now, usually teams go for the gold. They say, okay, here's where our ranking is, and it's the AP poll. But there's a little trick to that. Let's say Washington is sixth in the coaches poll, but they're fifth in the AP poll. Well, they're going to use the AP poll. Let's say Washington is fourth in the coaches poll, and they're maybe sixth in the AP poll, well, we know what's going to happen. Huh? Number 14 in the country. Most people use the AP poll. But this thing, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to speculate. At the end of the day, means absolutely nothing other than this is where people think you are. The polls have been almost rendered useless because there's no bearing. Almost the same thing with the polls in college basketball to a degree because the polls, I don't know if they have that much bearing. We've seen teams before who um, are ranked in football. That's great. I don't think that's going to help you ultimately when it comes to playoff positioning because the committee's got their own criteria, whatever that may be. And so these things are nice, but don't mean that much. Not to dampen your spirits, though. Sorry. It's nice to be in one of these things. And again, we're talking the preseason poll. Preseason. This is the practice poll. That's where we're at right now, the practice poll. But it's football. We're talking about it, and that's what I'm looking for. All right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We've got Kevin Long, who's going to be joining us here in a few minutes on the program. So he's going to phone us in here any minute now. We'll take our break here now. So we'll give him plenty of time to come back, and we'll have more time to talk to him. Later on, Jared Smalley, we're going to talk to him as well and get an update on what's happening with Ohio State. So that's where we're at. We'll take our first break. We come back. Hope to be joined on the other side of the break by Kevin Long, head coach of the Marshall soccer team. And then we will talk Ohio State and Urban Meyer with Jared Smalley from NBC4 in Columbus. That's all on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
Everybody's talking football is coming back. Football is back. Well, depends on who you ask. Is it college football that's back or is it the beautiful game? Kevin Long, the head coach of the Marshall women's soccer team, joins us now. And when everyone says football is back, they're talking about you, right? Is that what's happening? I mean, I like to I, I like to think they're talking about us, but uh, but let's be honest. I'm excited about uh, both our season and uh, and Marshall football. Can't get away from either one of them. They're coming. Yeah, I'm excited as well. So let's talk about your squad uh, coming up this season. Uh, what do you got coming back that you're excited about uh, that's uh, going to put you forward this year? Oh, good gosh! You know we have a great class coming in, and it's small but real impactful. We've got a goalkeeper. We've got a, a local right out of Huntington High. We've got a North Carolina uh, uh, midfielder. And in addition, we, we bring in our international from um, uh, Australia who came in back in January. So that the class is, is fantastic, and we're excited about those players. But I have to tell you, it's kind of like Christmas in July because when we had our physicals just a couple days ago, um, we brought uh, – there was a handful of players who got cleared for the first time since, like, midseason last year. And they're so instrumental to our success that it, it was as if we were getting brand-new players back. So we're excited to get uh, kind of a – a resurgence of uh, our returning players who have energy and a little bit of uh, uh, they kind of have a chip on their shoulders in the sense that they they lost a lot of their season through injury and and, and that includes even the healthy players we lost as a group due to injury and uh, so now hopefully we can stay to that bug keep that bug from biting us again but at the same time get these kids back on the play and use that hunger to uh, fuel us moving forward. How do you feel depth wise? Uh, injuries do cause problems, but uh, how do you feel if that happens again? as far as you're able to respond a little bit better this season? Well, I think for sure. Like with uh, with so many returning players in such a small freshman class, I think the depth naturally just got better in the last year of play. We were pleased with where we left off in the spring with the, the returners, the, the non-injured returners. They, I think we covered a lot of ground in the spring. We addressed some major issues that affected us last fall, like uh, our urgency, our ability to defend and compete and, and challenge all got better throughout the spring and uh, I think that growth that occurred between last fall and today uh, will will pay dividends this year depth wise for sure so the good news is we can we I think we're a little more prepared as again you know everybody healthy we're a little more prepared to kind of high pressure our opponents and keep that pressure up full 90 minutes and that's exciting to me because that's something we didn't do very well last fall Kevin Long's our guest. Marshall Women's Soccer is about ready to uh, take the pitch. You're going to be um, taking on Moorhead State uh, coming up on Thursday, August 9th. So it's we talk about it being right around the corner. It literally is right around the corner for you. Without without a doubt, it's fun being. But it's fun and it's kind of a, it's double edged, I guess, because we start the school year and we start the the school competitive year. I think we're earlier than than well, certainly most of the sports. Uh, we compete with volleyball and men's soccer to see who's going to who's going to really be uh, starting competitions first. But it's exciting because we we've been waiting, we've been chomping at the bit since last fall to say, hey, we can do better, we can prove ourselves better. And the ninth uh, is our first opportunity to kind of um, get out there and prove that, right? Put our money where our mouth is. I know it's early because well, everybody is uh, undefeated at this point. But uh, what do you anticipate with uh, that first match and with Moorhead State? Well, we'll probably have a little bit of a different approach from uh, a year ago or previous years. We want to get into a game form early. Last year, we spent our first two games in Tennessee, and we struggled. And we, we waited too long to find out what worked and didn't work for us. So we probably address our exhibition games a little more like games uh, versus uh, find out who's developing and who's, who's can, who can help us. We're probably going to treat those a little more competitively, um, try to 
try to gain the winning power versus um, explore which players can help us more. I think I think what we want to do is is get out there and kind of see ourselves, see what we've worked on. And at that point, I'm not sure what we will have worked on offensively so much. You know, the ninth and the 16th, we still have a week before our first game after that ninth. And uh, what we want to do is we want to be able to defend extremely well. And that's something we, we didn't do from goalkeeping on out. We just weren't able uh, physically and athletically and even tactically to match up with our opponents throughout the year. And, and that led to a lot of losses. And we want to make sure that, number one, uh, that's something we've been really proud of in previous years. Number one, we can defend uh, our goal better. And hopefully that that's reflected on the ninth. Kevin Long joins us, Marshall's women's soccer coach. Of course, first action begins on Thursday, August 9th against Moorhead State. Then you're going to take a little road trip to Youngstown State. You've got fairly on the schedule as well for uh, – wow, you're um, you're on the road a little bit. Just, uh, just at first glance, you're going to be seeing uh, a lot of different teams in a short span before you get to uh, come back home uh, for the uh, game against Tennessee Martin uh, on the 24th. But schedule-wise, what are you looking for, or what was the goal for this year's schedule? Yeah, we we talked about that with our strength conditioning co- coach quite a bit. You know, based on where we've come from, it's every game is a proving ground for us this year. You know, there's a question: Hey, which game can you rest players? Which game can you uh, um, use as a um, like a second? Which game would be a secondary tier or or second tier game? And, and what we found or what, through our conversations where we're coming from, we can't take our foot off the gas at all. You know, we didn't have a great season last year. And so with that, we, every game's a, a challenge. And, and what we wanted to do from the start of that season was a couple of things. I think the players work really hard during preseason. And while we want home games, they're hard to get sometimes. Being on the road, we want to make sure that that's something that can motivate and energize them. We, we want to make sure it's a location that we can embrace. So I like the idea of going from Youngstown to the New Jersey, New York area, at a play at, at one of our academies, and, and Army's just a special place and a real privilege to see those uh, cadets and those players up there. Uh, so I think that's a great way to start the season, not only competition-wise, but environment-wise. FDU, we open the season with FDU. FDU's one of the, they're either a conference champion or they're a runner-up uh, any, of the, any of the last five years. They've been either of those two things. So we'll know right off the bat um, how we can be exploited and whether or not we've plugged holes during training. So I'm excited. You know, it, excited is an overused word at this point because we're, everything we do is exciting and new for a brand new year. But I, I think, like I said earlier, I, with the players we have coming back uh, and the players we have joining the team, it's kind of a it's an I think everyone's kind of on their tiptoes, eagerly awaiting those contests and eagerly awaiting to. to to prove that we're not a five-win team. Who are you looking at? I know you want your best performance out of everybody, but who are you looking at to to really take charge, take the reins of this thing on the field? I mean, can you identify a couple of players right now that you're, you're looking at? All right, this is we've got to go. If this player goes, we go. Are you at that point yet? Well, well, you know, it's funny. This year, uh, we haven't found in the last several years we haven't really. I've been looking for leadership abilities among our team, and, and without such, I've been really reluctant to just name, just give the name of captain away. I think there's a there's a uh, a skill associated with that title that we've really been looking for and wanting. And so to answer your question, the first players that come to mind are our three tri captains, 
Genevieve, uh, Jane Lawman, and Ashley Seltzer. The three of them have already stepped up and they've led. They're leading on the field. They're guiding not only with their behavior and how they came in, but uh, um, how they're how they're helping and demanding of their teammates. And that's new. And that's that too is kind of the an interesting part of the year. I mentioned Jane. Her sister is is going to have to carry a lot of weight for us up front right now. We 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 lost you know another injury uh, occurred to Jordan Sakaris uh, in the spring. And we won't be playing with Jordan. I think we won't be playing with Jordan for the entire year. If it looks like uh, she's healthy enough and it looks like uh, we're going to make a late-season run, there's a chance we can utilize her. But, but things have to be aligned for Jordan to get back. So I think Mary Lawman's poised for kind of a breakout year. We had some really good performances from uh, Molly Preston, a freshman last year at outside back. I think, it's, I think she's poised. She looks good coming in early. Uh, she's poised for a great year. And Ashley, as a senior, is is one that has been an all-conference player for us. Uh, we expect Ashley to continue to score goals from that left-back position. So the, the good news is when you talk about depth, like the, our twins are doing great, and, and they bring athletic challenges everywhere in the field, both in the back and up front. So we, we have – you asked about depth early. We have some players who I think are, are poised for kind of a breakout year, and we're, we're managing the year different. We're doing to do things different this year in training – and they've already experienced that, trying to make sure that we're fresher for games. Uh, we can have a little, spend a little more time in recovery from games and a little more time specifically creating on the functional needs per position. So players like Annie Springer have a little more success driving, driving, getting behind, because she, she, too, can be one of our most dangerous players. So we're loaded. I think probably we're more now offensively uh, than we've ever been, and it's a matter of whether or not we can we can defend. But so the, I reeled off a few of those names, and... And certainly some have been left off. Like there's players who have stepped up and, and, and just controlled tempo and, and have, again, rising into or stepping into her sophomore year. A player like Renee Ross, who I think could be a really good play for, player for us. And she's healthy and she looks great so far in the first couple of days of preseason. Kevin Long, our guest, Marshall women's soccer coach. So when I ask you here in a few weeks who your keeper is going to be, you're going to actually tell me this season? <laughs> Well, I'd love, to, I'd love to tell you. I'd love to make it so clear that it's, it's crystal clear. The, but I also have, I have great news. The first of the great news is Megan Benelli comes back. She's got some concussions in her past, and she's healthy, and she's been cleared to play. So the good news is, is that we have great competition between our two keepers. And we bring in a freshman all the way from Oregon, and the kid can fly. She's got springs for feet. And uh, so I'm eager to say that, uh, or eager to continue to say, that it's going to be a competition through and through throughout the entire fall. Both bring a great deal of talent and athleticism and ability to stop balls from crossing the line. So uh, the good news is that Lindsay, right off the bat, will challenge, uh, challenge Megan, who's kind of had a stronghold on that starting position when she's been healthy. And I think it's going to be healthy for Megan. She's going to have to step up her game in every training session and, and throughout the games um, to maintain that level of, of you know, numbers of starts. So I'm eager to say, nope. I don't have I don't have an answer. I won't have an answer. I don't think for a little while. But keep on asking. Uh, keep on asking. That's a fun question, just in the sense that it reminds me how much competition that they go through, and the work they put in. Uh, it, they'll be neck and neck throughout the season, and I'm eager to see which one kind of pulls ahead on this day, and then see how the other responds. That it's going to be neck and neck throughout the year. So, okay, coach's decision. Coach's decision. That's right. Kevin Long's our guest. Uh, you made some additions to your staff, if you would. Uh, talk about the Glenn Butler and what he brings to your program. 
Sure. You know, we lost Dan Withrow. Uh, Dan, Dan went, he moved out west, and, uh, you know, he was a former uh, athlete of the year here at Marshall. So big shoes to fill. And, uh, fill. and what we did is we found Glenn Butler, who was coaching the men and women up at Frostbridge State, and it comes with a great deal of uh, goalkeeping experience. Uh, he's a charismatic individual. Uh, I overlooked the fact that he talks with an English accent. Uh, but uh, so now I have two foreigners, uh, two internationals in the office, which is fun. They have a lot of uh, great knowledge on the international game. And as the as the World Cup and as the tournaments are regaining play right now, seasons regaining form, it's fun to hear them talking with their expertise uh, of the, the different leagues around the world. But Glenn, I think, is going to – He's a, first and foremost, he's a hard worker. And we're challenging him to do some different things with uh, media, uh, with electro- uh, with um, uh, technology, to make sure that we're kind of keeping up to speed with what technology is out there. Because what we're finding in, in our younger athletes is that uh, yesterday's technology bores them. You know, paper is obsolete in their mind. Uh, don't even ask them to email. You know, it's it's all they're they're into their phones. They're they're into videos. And so we're trying to create more and more of those uh, effects and utilizing them more and more in our coaching. So with that, one of, that's one of Glenn's largest charges uh, is to kind of create and sustain a uh, technological presence in our training. So coupled with that in the goalkeeping, he's talking about, you talk about those two goalkeepers battling it out. Well, Glenn's going to be in charge of uh, kind of fostering and feeding that, that challenge as the season goes on. So I'm asking Glenn who's going to start. That's, that's the new tactic, ask Glenn. I think that's, that's probably uh, the backdoor way to find out, but uh, – I think he'll tell you the same thing. It, well, he's going to challenge them. I think Bedelli's like probably loves it because all spring she had no one to train with. So the first and foremost, she finally has someone to can, who can take some of the load off her in training. And uh, yeah, Glenn would be your Glenn would be the person to bribe. Uh, <laughs> By the way, you're killing me. You hear this? That's paper. I use it well, daily. You and I are in the same cloth, you know, like I, I bring out a piece of paper and everybody else is, you know, my Donkson and uh, Glenn, they'll have a note on their phone. And I'm sitting here going, guys, come on, that's too small. Like, what's wrong with paper? And uh, so I'm with you on that. I've got to the point, I've upped my game. We have a, a new office laminator. I've upped my game this year. I have notes that are laminated now. Don't talk to me about paper being dead, please. You can get lost in that laminator. That could be an endless, endless bunch of hours of fun. So, <laughs> It's under lock and key. The corporate structure here doesn't let me have it all the time, so uh, I well, think we're okay. There's some wisdom in that, I'm sure. Yes, very much so. Trust me, if Woody Woodrum was here, uh, the laminator would be rolling a lot more because <laughs> he, he has us both beat with the paper. <laughs> Kevin Long is our guest, Marshall's women's soccer coach. Coach, good catching up with you again. Uh, let's do it again real soon, and um, good luck on the upcoming season. And, uh, we're going to be talking a lot more, so uh, we'll talk ba- We'll talk soccer soon. We'll definitely have you back. Okay, great. Good talking to you, and, and you know, as always, thanks for your support. Can't wait to continue talking to you through the season. So have a great day. That's Kevin Long, Marshall's women's soccer coach, and, of course, you can go to HerdZone.com for the latest. We're going to take our next break. When we come back, uh, Jared Smalley is going to join us uh, from NBC4 in Columbus. He's going to give us the update on what's happening with Ohio State, the Urban Meyer story. Uh, it's really taken off these last uh, couple of days, and he's going to give us the latest, sort of give us an idea of what the story actually is when we continue here on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
director of NBC4 and Columbus, Jared Smalley. And, uh, Jared, I wish we could have you on a happier time here to talk herd football, see what's going on with the Buckeyes. But uh, as of late, the last couple of weeks, especially last couple of days, have not been very kind to at least Urban Meyer and possibly the Ohio State football program. It's been weird, but you know what, Paul? We've been through this. Um, you know, I was here in 2011 uh, when we went through the Jim Trussell saga of what started as a, you know, a player incident and then a coach suspension and then a coach firing, essentially, or a coach force out, however you want to frame it. And the evolution of these things sometimes takes time. And, um, you know, that's what I'm curious about here is, is how this ends um, for Urban because it, I don't know that he's going to be gone. And, and I think that's the uncertainty. I think with Tress, it was kind of hard to see how he would make it out um, because they had, I, they had identified him being forthcoming with the truth. I think that's the case here, but we don't know all the facts yet in this situation. And so it's, you know, we're, we're somewhat hesitant to figure out, um, you know, where this thing's headed. But either way, Paul, it's not pretty. Now, let's back up just a little bit and maybe reset the scene here. So what has happened is Urban Meyer's on paid leave. The school is investigating what he knew about the spousal abuse allegations, which were, uh, which were basically dropped on his longtime assistant. And Courtney Smith, the ex-wife of former Ohio State wide receivers coach Zach Smith, is the center of this. She spoke to Stadium, and uh, Brett McMurphy's pretty much been the lead guy on this story. Where do we go from here? What has come out that is factual, and what are we waiting for to find out if that's true? What do we know? At this point, what we know is that uh, Urban was steadfast a week ago at Big Ten Media Day in his denial that he knew anything of an allegation uh, or any incident that had popped up in 2015. He did uh, say, and he was forthcoming about the incident that happened back in 2009 at Florida between Zach Smith and his wife. Um, that was a situation where uh, Courtney has come on to say that she uh, was was basically forced to not press charges, uh, pressured by her family and and uh, and friends and otherwise not to do it because it would ruin his career. And that sort of followed the same suit uh, for what she says at Ohio State. So. Uh, 2015, uh, there were several instances we've learned uh, from police reports, you know, of, of incidents where charges were not filed, uh, but police were called. There were many 911 calls, et cetera, and a situation where Urban said he didn't know, but there are some text messages that strongly suggest that he does, or that he was aware in 2015. He could not have been stronger, though, Paul, in his, in his statements a week ago that he didn't know, he was not aware, and yeah, I think it's I think it's very concerning, um, uh, you know, no, if you're an Ohio State fan or not, uh, just, you know, how separate those two things might be. Um, so I, it's very unclear, though, whether Urban Meyer's wife told him that this was uh, a situation that was ongoing. It's unclear um, if there was other direct communication uh, to Urban on the subject, if he was just kept in the dark to protect him. Uh, that theory is out there. We've heard it all at this point. So I think there's that's why we're so um, uncertain of things about uh, where this is going. So um, that's our curiosity, and, and that's uh, what we're following now. So what would be the... What's the ultimate crime here from Urban Meyer's standpoint? Not separate the actual abuse allegations, but what has Urban done wrong if he's done something wrong, and how could he have made this situation better? 
Well, the biggest thing here is lying. I mean, because you're, you're supposed to be forthcoming uh, with your uh, managers at Ohio State. It's actually written in his contract that if he learns of uh, potential violations, if he learns of potential crimes, if he learns of um, uh, any instances of wrongdoing uh, within his staff or his players, he's supposed to be forthcoming and go directly to his boss to report it. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a steep for everyone, for him, uh, for Gene Smith, the athletic director. Uh, that's, the, that's the point of procedure. And if he didn't follow that, uh, that is, that's critical information because if he knew and then didn't follow that protocol uh, and then lied about not knowing, that's where you're at. So there's an ethics you know, potentially ethical clause in there uh, that he would have trouble with. There was speculation about violation of Title IX uh, because of the uh, potential for sexual assault or physical assault, I should say, more accurately, uh, physical assault uh, in this situation. And that is where, uh, you know, there are some lines that could be blurred in his contract and potentially lead to a dismissal. So, um, those things are, are what Gene Smith and the countless attorneys who work at Ohio State are, uh, are trying to figure out now. Now, Ohio State's pretty much on lockdown right now. If I understand correctly, practices, everything's been closed. They're still going on, but access to players, to coaches, not happening right now. That's right. Yeah, they closed. They're supposed to have open practice yesterday. That practice was closed. Um, and or, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up. They have open practice tomorrow that is now closed, 3.30 in the afternoon, uh, closed to media. Also, uh, no interviews after that practice. Um, there's going to be an update supposedly on Monday of what they're going to be doing. So, yeah, there's just a lot there. And um, it, it's certainly something that uh, those folks are uh, evaluating on the PR side, um, figuring out how to handle things. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's just a, a weird time right now. What's the general fan reaction, the ones that are closest to the situation? You know, the, the, the Columbus sports fan, Ohio State sports fan, what are they saying right now? Uh, I think it's, it, for the folks who have certainly been here for a while, I think it's that shock of, um, you know, man, are we going to do this again? You know what I mean? I mean, you did this with Urban or with uh, Jim Trestle, and it was a deal where uh, – you're talking about one of the most respected coaches in the game goes down because of something like this. Um, and, and remember what that was, that was tattoos and, you know, um, that was, uh, you know, merchandise and it was just a weird deal. And um, this is similar um, in that uh, this is nothing related to um, a player. It's nothing related to his own um, incident or specific conduct. You know, it's it's something that's on his staff that, um, you know, the accusation is that he didn't do a good enough job of protecting his, his staff and his university. So it's just a bizarre thing. And, and I think that's the fan base reaction of just, you know, why are we here again? You know, how did this happen? And, um, you know, I understand these things happen everywhere, um, but it, it's just, it's so, it's so bizarre with a university with this many, neither under, uh, that here we are again dealing with it. I mean, it's a good point. It does happen everywhere. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be naive and say this, these incidents and these things don't happen, but I'm sure right now a lot of people are, don't care that it happens elsewhere from the standpoint that that doesn't mm -hmm. matter. We're concerned about, what's right here in front of us in our own backyard. And if this happened the way it went down, all Urban had to do was make a phone call and let someone else deal with it, right? That's that's all you have uh, to do. 
if you're, if you're correct, if it's that simple, if it is that simple. But again, we don't know how simple it was. We don't know any of the facts beyond that, uh, beyond the published reports, what Courtney Smith says, you know, there's a whole other side to this that we don't know. Um, and, you know, all of that will be given its, its, uh, its due process, and then we'll figure out, you know, how Urban is handled with this. But um, yeah, there's just a lot of theories out there about whether he did it right or he did it wrong. The one thing I would say about Urban and his, his, his past behavior is he has been very quick to notify Gene Smith of issues with player personnel, um, you know, with other things that have popped up on campus. He and Gene have been very tight in terms of that communication when, in, when issues did arise. So I think that's a, um, you know, that's a fairly significant point um, that, you know, this was an oddity. If he did know and he didn't report it, uh, it's absolutely not the, uh, you know, not the, the norm. Um, so, yeah, we'll kind of keep our eyes on that as well about uh, uh, what the university has to say in that regard, uh, whether he acted correctly or whether he made a mistake. I don't want to speculate too much. You're on the ground. You know more than I do on this. But my understanding is there's a, there's a longstanding relationship here with uh, with the Smiths and Urban and his family. So there's a lot more that goes into this. This isn't just a simple um, incident. If Whatever it is, no. it's not simple by no. any stretch of the imagination. And, and that is a good point to make because if you're not familiar with the relationship, so uh, Zach Smith's grandfather was Earl Bruce. Earl Bruce, of course, former Ohio State coach who hired Urban as a grad assistant when he was at Ohio State in the mid to late 80s. So Urban was working here under, uh, un- I'm sorry, under um, Earl. And Earl was his mentor. Earl, and Urban has said this many times, was uh, one of the two most important men in his life, his father and Earl Bruce. That's who, you know, Earl, that's who Urban looked up to uh, the most. And so this is his grandson we're talking about. It wasn't just another coach. You know, it was somebody who had a deeply personal connection to him. He was in, you know, incredibly loyal to, to Earl. And, uh, you know, could that have been a, a part of it? Could it have affected his decision-making? Sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I just uh, I think that is something that has to be taken into account when you consider what all happened here, that personal relationship. And I'm interjecting my own personal feelings here on this, but if there's something like this happening and I find out about it, what am I going to do? Am I going to turn this person in? Am I going to try to help this person, help this family? What am I going to do? And we could be looking at a situation if it is the way you know it, I'm presenting it here is you know Urban's in a tough spot here because you've got a strong connection, to one who you know he has a deep relationship, the family, a deep relationship with, and it's very hard sometimes when it's right there close to you. You know, if it's somebody else, you're a, a coworker, whatever. It might be an easier situation to deal with when it's somebody who you have that tight of a connection with. No, sure it is. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think it's just it's just something else that complicated the matter. But I mean, you know, is it ultimately the reason that he decided to to act or not act or you know what? However, it falls out. Um, that's hard to say. I mean, because I think you know your responsibility is to treat everybody equally and to um, and to make decisions that are for the good of the school. So uh, you know. Just a, a lot of stuff unanswered, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just a it's a fascinating thing to follow here, and we'll be watching it play out potentially for a little while. Yeah, and go back to your point, we we don't know all the story yet. There are other people involved. This isn't just an Urban Meyer story. This is uh, the Smith family story. This is Zach Smith's story. This is a Courtney Smith story. And um, I guess what's very disappointing about this that um, it's coming out now. I mean, there's not a good time for this to come out, but 
it's coming out now and you're you're having to deal with this and there's a lot more people that are impacted than just the you know, Zach Smith or Courtney Smith or Urban. I mean, there's there's a lot of kids, the football program, a lot of people who are indirectly now impacted by this because of Urban's mm-hmm. administrative leave and everything that follows with it. Yeah, I would rather be talking football, but these kids, unfortunately, now they've got to hear this as well, and there's no escaping it. Well, undoubtedly so. And the other thing I would say is the effect on recruiting. You know, how many kids um, have committed to the university, how many kids are being recruited by the university actively, um, how it affects all them. And, uh, you know, you, you do commit to a school when you're a player. You do commit to the university. But let's be honest, the conduit to the university is the human being at the front of it. That's the head coach. And when there's instability there, uncertainty about the future, that means there's uncertainty about that recruit. So um, that's another element that is a huge uh, part of, of Ohio State football is their ability to beat out other schools for recruits. They're really good at it, and they've got a lot to sell. And so anything that makes it less certain can create some problems. That's what they're dealing with now. You think we're going to get to a point where this might be a watershed moment for college athletics right here, this uh, this whole situation? And I know we can go back a few years ago with what came out with the Penn State investigation, everything that went on there. This is something that is not an Ohio State. This is not unique to Ohio State. Whatever it is, this is going to be, it's not unique. And it happens in college football a lot. I'm I'm certain of that without citing any example. Are we going to see more of a change maybe uh, informed by what happens here and how this goes down? I think it's certainly possible because you're talking about, you know, one of the biggest names and one of the biggest programs and it's, you know, incredibly, uh, you know, high visibility situation, right? That people, people know the name, people know the school and, you know, there's certainly attention uh, focused on that. So, yeah, I can see that argument for sure. But, you know, uh, I think change is slow. And, you know, a lot of coaches believe they operate under different rules. Um, a lot of folks think that, you know, they're they're operating at a level um, that is beyond the, 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 the law, if you will. And, um, you know, it won't happen here. It won't happen to me. Or, you know, we do things differently. And, uh, you know, it's just an interesting, interesting way to react to it. it it's dependent on the university and I'm sure it may change policies some places, but in other places it may not change a daggone thing. And uh, uh, that's just the way this works. Jared Smalley's joining us, sports director of NBC4 in Columbus. And Jared, I've heard already some of the uh, talking heads today on television and, and radio citing that it took an outsider like Brett McMurphy with nothing to lose to, to bring this to light, to unearth that. Is that fair? Um, because some of the criticism has been it's very tough to challenge Urban Meyer if you are in Columbus, you're in that market, you are a beat reporter. It's very tough to actually challenge an Urban Meyer. So is, is that maybe a fair criticism or unfair criticism to a degree? No, I, I don't think that had anything to do with it. I think the guy went out the guy went out and dedicated himself to it and, you know, did the due diligence and got the right people on his side and did his job. And I don't think it matters if he lived uh, anywhere in the country or in Columbus. I just don't think that mattered. Um, guy just did a really good job and obviously Brett has done uh, has done the work for many, many years at many levels and uh, it's pretty remarkable. He's not working at Espen anymore because he did a heck of a job there, but um, no, I don't think that the proximity had anything to do with it. I think it was somebody who uh, had the tenacity to go after it and uh, and 
keep digging and, and keep challenging. And um, I, I'm very confident, though, that if somebody here or somebody who was local um, had had that same access to the information and had been able to develop those relationships, it probably would have happened. But um, yeah, I mean, there were some decisions made and how, you know, Courtney, the ex-wife, how her camp decided to, you know, accept requests. I mean, she'd had plenty of interview requests, that's for sure. You know, everybody had asked for an interview, including us. Um, so it wasn't like it was, you know, without trying around here. I think they made a decision on how they wanted to approach it uh, from a national standpoint. And, uh, you know, that's fine. And that's that's their prerogative. I want to ask you that because you're on the ground, Jared. You know, you know, there are a lot of people. Again, most of these are pundits. We carry some of them on our radio station with our, you know, with our network affiliation that maybe point to that. And I thought that was maybe just a little unfair because that you point you just brought up. It's not as if people didn't know of Courtney Smith and did not, you know, know that there was a story here. So I thought that was maybe a little fair, but you know, with you being on the ground, you're right there. You see more than I do right now, and uh, I'm. You're right. It's been an interesting story so far, and it's going to be continuing to be an interesting story for the next few days. And hopefully, we can um, we can get to the answer here. I, I just don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. So I'm a little. I don't know where to go next on this, and I don't think anyone knows until we find out more. Well. Well, just, just just to summarize it, right? It's just it's just getting to a resolution, figuring out what the next move is going to be, and then falling action. What do you do? How do you respond? For the football team on the field, Ryan Day, the interim coach, a guy they know, uh, a guy who came in a year ago and did a remarkable job building the offense. He's now the interim coach, and that's interesting. He's never been a head coach before. He has an adjustment to make in that new role as the voice of leadership on the team along with a couple of um, coordinators who have been head coaches for Kevin Wilson at Indiana, of course, Greg Schiano at Rutgers and the Tampa Bay Bucks. So there is a lot of leadership on that staff. There's a lot of guys who know how to handle uh, difficulties, and that will all come into play to help them through what's going to be a grueling training camp here the next three weeks. They start it tomorrow, and um, as they get ready to play their first game, you know, they'll, they'll go through some stuff. You know, it's not going to be pretty. They're going to go through some things. Scrutiny. Um, and while they might not be doing a whole bunch of interviews or anything of that nature, um, they know what's going on. They're not. They're not silly. They know what's going on, and uh, you know they know that uh, that that people will be watching them this year. And uh, you know there's there's I'm sure a lot of pride in that locker room as well to go out and perform regardless of what the circumstances are. Our guest is Jared Smalley. He's the sports director of NBC4 in Columbus. Of course, a uh, a world class <coughs> shot put champion and. Um, something that you do that uh, to this day is uh, awful amazing is uh, your work with autism. And uh, before we let you go, Jared, I always like to give you an opportunity to maybe talk about what's coming up with you because I know you're involved with autism and trying to find a cure and do other good work there. So I'll, I'll maybe leave the floor to you there to explain what's going on with you and maybe how people can help. Sure. Autism Speaks uh, is who I do most of my fundraising work for. Um, I work every year with the Autism Speaks Committee here in Columbus. We put on a huge walk. Uh, this year it's in early October uh, in uh, uh, Columbus Commons, which is the downtown park uh, amphitheater built here a couple of years ago. Beautiful place to do a walk. We do it every year. Um, and if you want to learn more about it, um, you know, it's affected my family and it's affected thousands of families and probably somebody you know. Uh, so it's a pretty good idea to uh, to learn more about it. And uh, we'd certainly like support for it. AutismSpeaks.org is a great place to start. Jared, thanks for doing this today. Appreciate your time. And uh, we'll uh, hopefully check in with you soon so we can maybe talk some Marshall Herd football or get you to come yeah. down for a visit when you're off, whenever that might be. I was going to say, when's that going to be, dude? You got an open day somewhere, right? Somewhere? Sure. 
sure. Yeah, there's one at the there's one in November, I think. I don't know. I haven't looked yet to see if the herd's home that weekend. I got to figure that out. We'll get you. I'll get you a schedule. We'll do that. And we got a plan next year because the Bobcats are not on the schedule this year, but they're back next year. And I know that game means something to you. That's going to be huge. I can't lose that bet again. <laughs> does Doc realize this? I mean, does Doc understand the gravity of the situation? No, he doesn't care. He doesn't care about my embarrassment publicly. It's fine. He shouldn't. He's got bigger things to worry about. True, very true. Um, winning a Conference USA championship, <laughs> Jared Smalley's embarrassment. Yeah, I can see I can see the pecking order here now. Yeah, he doesn't care. It's fine. He shouldn't. <laughs> Just um, let's hope. Now, you know, let's work next year towards not embarrassing you anymore. Fub- yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, hey, That's kind. I'm kind of curious because is, is this like you versus the world when it comes to this uh, annual battle when they play? Up there, Columbus? Uh, you get any support? No, not really, because there's so many uh, Marshall alumni in this area. Um, I mean, it, there's a ton. You have to think, you know, a lot of people live here. A lot of people live in Charlotte who went to school uh, because of the opportunities uh, with uh, with job creation and Fortune 500s and, you know, the opportunities to, you know, to build a career. And these are great places to live. So, yeah, we've got a, we've got a ton of, uh, of herd alumni up here. So, that's, it, yeah, they're I got plenty of support, man. Not as much as the OU folks, but plenty. We've got a year. We'll work on that. Okay. Good deal. All right. Jared, thanks, buddy. Appreciate your time. (laughs) See you, man. That's Jared Smalley, sports director of NBC4 in Columbus. We're going to take our break and come back and uh, get you ready for the rest of the show when we continue here on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back. Final segment. Quick segment on this edition of The Drive. Um, I've got a statement to read coming out from Marshall University during the show. And it reads, Marshall Athletics Administration and head football coach Doc Holliday were not made aware of the 2009 allegation facing Mr. Smith, the university's standard background check prior to his January 2010 hire here, yielded no information concerning the incident. Mr. Smith, Mr. Smith left the Thundering Herd in January 2011 to join the coaching staff at Temple University after one year at Marshall. So that is Marshall University's statement on Zach Smith. And that's going to do it for this edition. Thanks to Kevin Long for joining us, Marshall softball. I'm sorry, Marshall soccer coach. Also, I want to thank coming on the program Jared Smalley to get us updated on what's happening with the Urban Myers situation. We will be back tomorrow to do it all over again. Until then, have a pleasant evening, everyone. Station.